that, please take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We've been working our way through this book and trying to finish it now the last couple chapters, which to me, this is how the Bible ends, guys, <laughs> with Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And God ordained that there would be 66 books or 70 if you count the book of Psalms as five books, uh, books, and that it would end this way. And it's just amazing because in the first few chapters of Genesis, you have paradise lost. In the uh, last few chapters of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the last few chapters, you have paradise regained. Amen. And it's beautiful. And I did a, a teaching on that probably more than once in the years that I've been here, pastoring, about when you look at what went wrong and the chaos, and I just matched it up with the book of Revelation at the end, and it's like every, all these details are just like, you know, thorns and thistles, no more pain, you know? Uh, in between, what happens? How does God, well, God himself bears the thorns and thistles that we deserve on his head, takes the curse, no more curse. And we'll probably get into doing some of that parallelism, with intertextual witness when we get to chapter 22 because we get a description again uh, in different detail, uh, not contradictory, but uh, more explanatory. When we get to chapter 22, there's different details given about New Jerusalem. So we'll probably do some of that parallelism then. I love that kind of stuff because it just shows you the symmetry, the power, the inspiration of God's word and the beauty of his divine plan. But here we're working verse by verse uh, through verses, the first few verses. We've looked at the first few verses and uh, last time we were at verse 3. Let's uh, go ahead and read verse 3 again. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And we spent some time on that. We actually spent part of the bridal series on that. We did a, a series of like four parts on being the bridal city of the Lord and it being the groom and the bride situation. Amen. So we got into that and we talked about the tabernacle being spread over us is the Lord's presence. And it's basically the intimacy that comes from the metaphor of a marriage that there's going to be just incredible intimacy. And then we also talked about how the Lord pitched his tent with the people. It's called the tabernacle, but now he's going to be with us forever. Amen. And that's what we're looking for. He's going to actually, in fact, the, the church has a lot of things wrong at times. And if you ask the average Christian where we're going to go forever and spend ever, 99% of them will probably say, at least 95, will say, oh, we're going to go up to heaven and be in heaven with them forever, up in heaven. And some people have this crazy picture of being chubby little uh, cherubs, you know. And cherubs aren't chubby and they're not little. And they don't look like what they, you know, <laughs> they have actually four, four faces. Pretty, pretty, pretty incredible looking, actually. And we're going to be on these harps, you know, these fluffy harps, just bored playing harps forever, you know. Uh, no, <laughs> it's going to be way better than that. In fact, it's not playing harps on uh, clouds. Not that there won't be any of that. That might be cool for a little while, right? We'll move on a little bit and, you know, be before the throne and just whoo, worshiping him. But it's going to be pretty amazing when you think about it. And actually, heaven comes down to earth. You know that, right? New Jerusalem, it says made as a bride for husband, descends to the earth after the millennial period, amen? And then it rests on the earth, and it's huge. We're going to be looking at its dimensions and everything as we go on. It's, just, it's called a city, but it's way bigger than our country, okay? When you look at the dimensions as far as the height, width, and everything. It's the width of our country, just the city. It has gates, okay? But then the height is the width of our country, high as well. And... I don't know if there's floors or what, you know, it doesn't say specifically, but it's going to be, some of you girls are thinking, free mall stuff. No, I don't know about that. 
be better than any of that. But it's going to be amazing uh, when we get there. And it's going to be full of excitement and wonder. And, and remember, the Apostle John is falling down two different times when he should know better to worship an angel when he sees the worship going on in heaven. He's so overwhelmed. And we get overwhelmed by beauty. It's nothing compared to the drop of the ocean a drop, just a drop compared to what we'll experience in his presence. But heaven is coming to earth eventually, amen? So that's different than what some people are saying in the church today, the new apostolic reformation and those emphasizing that heresies that the church is supposed to bring heaven to earth. We're going to make heaven on earth. We're going to, through politics, we're going to usher in. We're the savior of the world. No, Jesus says the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of Christ at his second coming, amen? And he's coming back to a church that's been at battle with, as we've been reading the book through Revelation, with, that's overcome Revelation chapter 13, verses five through seven. And the, the church that talks about the saints were overcome by the beast. But guess what? Through our supposed defeat in the eyes of the world, saying who can make war with the Antichrist, even in Revelation 15, those who didn't take the mark and die, guess what it says? These are those who had victory over the beast. So we're not to look at things the way the world looks at things. Our victory, we look at things spiritually, right? The natural mind does not receive the things of spiritual, spiritually blind. We see that there's life beyond death. We see that there's far more than this little vapor of life that we have here. We have to look at the big picture. And when you get your focus on Jesus in the big picture and you have spiritual values, you begin to see people as needing Jesus like you did and needing to be saved. And our mission is not to reform the world. Our mission is to Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and win people to Christ. Amen. And in the midst of that, guess what? You'll do more reformation in the world than you ever would through politics. You know why? Because guess what? We've turned a lot of people away from abortion. We have a lot of videos that deal with abortion, Planned Parenthood, uh, in our rock video and stuff. And the very first time our rock video came out, they sold their souls for rock and roll. A pastor came to me and said, you know what? It wasn't even out yet officially. I just gave it to a bunch of pastors. Uh, that I knew friends of mine and he said hey Joe just want to let you know man my my daughter is married to a biker they she fell she's in adultery had a baby and he was telling her her biker husband you need to have the abortion he saw your video he was in tears on your abortion section he called him and said don't touch that baby don't kill that baby you know and we started, we've seen a lot of fruit from that you know what you do is you change hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ amen Okay? Nevertheless, I hope you voted against Newsom. Uh, <laughs> still vote. Still do what you can in that realm. Amen? But our hope is in Jesus ultimately. Amen? All right. Uh, so, man, you guys. Revelation. I know. My wife. My poor wife. She's like, we got to do something. I'm like, you know, you can't physically go remove the guy, you know. And uh, I know she feels like that sometimes when you see all the chaos, you know. I go, you know, because broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go that way. Narrow is the gate. Straight is the way that leads to life and few are those who find it. Amen. So we're looking for his kingdom and we're praying for his kingdom to come. Amen. Now, it's interesting because in verse 4, this is the verse we're looking at right now. It says, and he, that is the Lord, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. He's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes. How many are thankful for that? Praise God. Women, you ought to be very happy about that because women tend to cry three to five times a month. Okay? And guys, 
Don't laugh. You still cry 0.5 to one time a month on average. Okay? And uh, there's more stickering and laughing on that one than the women. You know? I'm sure it'd be closer to 0.4, except for some of the guys I know. You know, bring that average way up, you know? No, I'm just kidding. And it's, it's interesting when I was reading about crying and tears and all that, you know, through the years. I've done little studies on that, and, but recently... It was like women actually cry in the Western world a lot more, you know, I got the stats somewhere, than women in other parts of the world, even though they have more amenities, more affluence, you know, riches, more, you know, so, you know equal, equal rights, all that stuff, they cry more. And I don't know if it's because of the affluence and having everything at your disposal and, or what, you know, or you get toughened maybe in other circumstances. But as Christians, we need to make sure we cry for the right reasons, Right? Sometimes people are crying for the wrong reasons. You know, there's a lot of people that are on social media that are in despair and it's suicidal and everything else because of how they look before others or how they're made to look or not being accepted. As Christians, man, we've been accepted in the beloved. The Bible says that God makes a home for the, the lonely, amen? Each of us are in his home together. That's one of the beauties of the church is God with us, Emmanuel. Even though God is going to be with us in a physical sense, that I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh with us, and the Father who is spirit, he'll be with us as well in a very concrete sense in the new heaven, new earth. The, one of the beauties of the church is that we are the temple living God, amen? We get together and guess who's here with us? Jesus is right here, amen? And, he, and that's the beauty. He says, I'll walk in them. I'll live with them, amen? He's here. When two or three gather together, in my name, he says, there am I in the midst of them. Amen. Now he's with you when you're all alone, but there's a special way that he manifests himself when believers get together. And it's just, it's beautiful. And we're supposed to reach the lost because guess what? We have what the world's missing. And the reason the world's mostly crying is because they don't have the Lord. Amen. Now we have the Lord. You're going to be in tears at times because we go through trials, but the answers are always found in the Lord. And now all these the new heaven, new earth, there's no more tears. This is in the scripture in the Old Testament. Remember, I told you the book of Revelation. One of the reasons it's my, oftentimes, it's, if you ask me my favorite book, oftentimes Revelation is my favorite book. Sometimes it's been Genesis, sometimes it's been Isaiah, you know, sometimes it's the Gospel of John, Revelation. It's because it ties everything else up together. And Christ, Hebrews is oftentimes my favorite book because it exalts Jesus. Romans is oftentimes my favorite book because I love theology. But Revelation is such... It just exalts Jesus so radically, and it shows how we win in the end in him. He wins, but we are on his coattails, amen, and how we get the victory and how we're going to be with him forever. And it's how it's the ending of the story, for, for, you know, they lived, you know, happily forever after, amen. It's the happily forever ever, ever after story, but it's quite amazing. But there's hundreds of allusions and minor quotations at times from the Old Testament. It brings everything together. Okay, it all ties, it ties everything together. So I love, listen to Isaiah 51, 5, 11. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with joyful shouting. Joyful shouting. So I say we give glory to God. You know, clap offerings are great, man. But we're gonna be joyfully shouting. You should be, we should be doing it now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, amen? We're supposed to be shouting to the Lord and giving him glory, you know? And it's, oh, that's not my kind of cultural culture. You're in the Jesus, true Jesus culture now, right? where you've been redeemed by the Lord, you should start getting excited about him because his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's a lot of shouting and joy in heaven. Amen. So it's interesting. It says with joyful shouting and everlasting joy. I love those two words together. Everlasting joy. 
and everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and singing will flee away. A little bit later in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 19, we read this. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. Wow. No more tears, you know. Go to Revelation chapter 7, where it talks about this great multitude that no man can number from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue that have come out of the great tribulation, meaning they were in the great tribulation. They didn't escape going through tribulation. Uh, they come out of it. And then John is asked, you know, who are these? He goes, you know. And then the angel explains to him who they are. Actually, one of the elders here. And we read in verse, uh, let's just go ahead and pick it up at verse 12 or so. Uh, uh, pick it up at 13. Then one of the elders answers, saying to me, these are the, those clothed in white robes. Who, uh, who are they? They, they, they? Where do they come from? I said to my Lord, you know, verse 14. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Have you washed your robes? Are they white in the blood of the Lamb? They better be. Verse 15. For this reason, they are before the throne, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Ooh, we're reading about that in Revelation, aren't we? Then look at verse 16. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb is in the center of the throne will be their what? Shepherd. He's going to be with us. Amen. That's amazing. And will guide them to what? the springs of the water of life, all this stuff, many of these things I should say are mentioned in Revelation 21 and 22. And God will what? Wipe every tear from their eyes. It's more than once in the book of Revelation where he wipes away all the tears. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter uh, 21. Now I love, I love the language because you have the wiping every tear and then you have wiping every tear again in chapter 21, verse four. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And it's such a, Beautiful paternal, maternal picture for us when you see someone wiping. Uh, uh, you, when you think of wiping tears wiped away, who do you usually see wiping tears away? A mom, sometimes a dad, you know. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing because it shows concern, love, care. Things are going to be all right, you know. Intimacy, I'm here for you. Don't worry. That hurt, but there's comfort there. And this is our God. And moms and dads have been made in, in the image of God. Amen? Male and female made he them. When it talks about the image bearers. Male and female. All of us are created in the image of God. It's messed up view of the Bible to say, oh yeah, men are made in the image of God, but not women. Women are in the image of God just like men are in the image of God. And they show forth beautiful characteristics. It's beautiful about our God that you can see in a woman. That's just the delicacy, the, 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 the just, you know, so many beautiful things. And you see so much of that in the man as well. It's not that everything you see in a woman or a man is the image of God. There's distortions because we're fallen, right? But the good things uh, that God, that, and the communicable attributes that reflect God, it's beautiful. And the, the crazy thing is so many of these things point to the future. When you see tears being wiped away or someone being comforted, that's a picture of the Lord often, you know? in scripture. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's some myths about tears. You've heard the myth that only who shed tears? Humans? Only people cry? Have you heard that? Animals don't cry? That's not true. 
Animals, some animals, very few have tears. But I've seen, have you ever seen crocodile tears? They're real. It's not just an expression. I mean, crocodiles will get a tear in their eye, but they're not like sympathetic. Uh Uh-oh, you know, different kind of tear. In fact, they think that crocodiles tear up because for lubrication. They're constantly in and out of the water. They got three lenses on their eyes. They're crazy creatures, you know. And uh, we don't know uh, exactly why. They think it's for lubrication, though. Uh, But human beings, we tear for four different reasons, okay? We have the basal tears. There's four different types of tears. Sometimes you're qualified as quantified as, uh, or qualified as three types of tears. I put them as four. Uh, there's cl- there's uh, tears that come out to clean and lubricate your eyes. And they have protein in them and, and, and so forth. And they combat infection, you know, when there's dirt in your eyes and stuff. Those are important tears. All of us have probably experienced those tears, right? Especially if you're like in construction, you know, you get something in your eyes or a windy day or what have you. Uh, there's also... Uh, you know, reflex, reflexive tears, which are similar to basal tears, but reflexive tears are when you're, you know, cutting the onion, you know, uh, or pollen gets in your eyes, right? There's a reflex where the tears come in as a defense mechanism. Uh, where they're a little bit different than the lubricant tears because the lubricant tears are happening all the time just to lubricate your eyes, but they're also helpful to, uh, in defense. Third type of tears is, a joyful, is joyful tears, tears of joy. Where, that you experience, you know, when you have a profound sense of gratitude, right? A profound sense of joy. We are just overwhelmed with something beautiful that's happened. Some, when you see an incredible act of mercy, if you experience it from the Lord, there's those tears of joy. It may be that we are the only ones that humans, this may be the category where we alone experience tears, tears of joy. Unless the crocodile does, because crocodiles do tear up when they eat. So that, I don't think it's joy, but it it could be. I don't know. They don't know. You know, it's a mystery. I thought about that. I go, oh, they tear up when they eat. That's interesting. And that's not because they're sad, because they're like so excited. (laughs) You know, so I know they're not tears of sadness. The one tears that we have that no one else has, which is the fourth kind of tears, is uh, tears that are the result of sadness and sorrow and regret, you know. And uh, we don't know of any creature that cries with tears. We don't. Any, on earth, except the human being. And there's m- hundreds of millions of different creatures. There's millions and millions of species. But we're made in God's image. Isn't that interesting? In a profound sense of uh, what's right and wrong and knowing God and all that plays into that. It's really profound. So I think it's probably true because I don't think those are tears of joy. I just think the crocs just kind of lubricating all the time uh, when it's eating. So I think humans, it's probably true that we're the only ones that cry for joy and for sadness. That's really, really heavy when you think about it. But there's reasons to cry for sadness because there's such loss and it's God's way of showing us. It's, it's because we were created in God's image to know God, amen? We're created to walk with him. We're created to be family, right? So everybody's supposed to love their neighbor as they love themselves. There's not supposed to be sin in the world. But because of sin, it's really wrecked things because people have put themselves before others, hurt others to advance themselves. So we have a lot of regret. We have a lot of sadness a lot of separation, a broken human family. And it's only repaired in Christ for those who come to Christ. So you have a lot of tears as a result of sin and causing a lot of pain. And that's why you ought to avoid sin for what it not only does to you, but for what it does to your neighbor. You scar people. You break God's word. You think, oh, this will turn out good in some way. No, you know, we reap what we sow. 
And so sin is horrible. We want to avoid sin like the plague. Now, uh, every tear, it's interesting. Well, I got a great question uh, from Lisa McFall after last Sunday's message. She's like, and it's kind of interesting. I never thought about it really. I mean, I have thought about it on my own as far as like tears of joy, you know, that, uh, but I never thought about answering the question, you know, because I've had tears of joy where you're just like, I'm worshiping sometimes and the tears just flow because you, and they're beautiful tears, right? You just so love the Lord and it's like, you're just, and it's such a beautiful feeling, you know, and, uh, but, so I've wondered in that sense, but I haven't ever had to ask, answer the question, I guess, and she said, do you think it means every tear in the context of every tear period? Because she was pointing out those tears of joy that she's experienced, you know, and how uh, are we going to lose those tears? And it's, it's hard to be definitive. If we take every tear as meaning every tear, every kind of tear, period, you know, uh, and literally that that means every tear, period, then it would be, yeah, it's every tear. However, the context is what here? Sorrow, mourning, Okay. So we're going to leave that one open for the Lord to answer, right? <laughs> because there's going to be more emotion, more shouting, more joy in heaven than there's ever been that you've ever experienced. You'll experience in a moment, you'll experience in a moment more intense, exuding joy than, than you will in a lifetime on earth. You'll experience it in God's presence probably, okay? It's just going to be so intense. And whether the, the, if the tears don't flow like that out of joy, because every tear is literal then, let's say that's happened. Well, there'll be such an, a, a, a beautiful, supernaturally natural output of gratitude that'll blow away anything we experience on the earth. So we don't have to worry about that, right? It's going to be awesome. But it's kind of interesting to think about. Now, it's interesting. There will be no more tears because the Lord's getting rid of the things that cause tears, right? Death. No more curse in Revelation 22. All these things that pain in this text before us, verse 4. So tears, are, tears of sadness are symptomatic of deep problems that we have as human beings and because of the human condition, amen? And when that condition is reversed, there's no more reason for tears of sadness because the next thing on the list, verse 4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer be any what? There will no longer be any what? Death. How many can say praise the Lord to that? Because where are tears shed more than any other place? You have tears of gladness at weddings, right? And this would be the ultimate wedding when we go to be with the Lord. But at funerals, because of death. And he is going to erase death. And how does he do that? Because Jesus came to pay for our sins and die in our place, amen? And take the penalty for what you and I deserve and the world deserves because of our crimes against God and one another. And he paid on the cross our death that we should have been slaughtered for and he experienced the hell that we should experience. We should be thirsting like the rich man in Hades, you know. Give me one drop of water, but Jesus, it says in the scriptures very, very clearly, you know, I thirst. He experienced that on the cross. The darkness, outer darkness and hell forever and ever, it became dark from 12 to 3 when he was on the cross, Amen that eternal separation that we have from God. Jesus on the cross, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, he knew what he was going through, but it's an expression from the psalmist that points to the prophecy of what he would go through where he would experience the wrath of the Father, amen? Well, how can he experience everybody's, because he's an infinite being, amen? Hallelujah. 
God became a man. And even though he suffered in a finite amount of time, because he's infinite, he suffered in an infinite way. And because of the class of being ontologically that he is as God, amen, amen. what he experienced covers everybody you know, easily. And we have an amazing God. And Jesus said this in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. For everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he says. Do you believe this? In other words, you'll never die. You'll have a physical, yeah, your body, your physical body will die, but your spirit won't die. Because there's not just physical death, there's what? Spiritual death. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes. Good job. How old are you? 15? 13. Okay, 13. I'm like, wow. So, yeah, there's spiritual death too, right? We get, we're separated from God. And by the way, keep in mind, death in the Bible is not just, this, it's not just physical. Death, and the reason it's so painful, is not just a de- deterioration of the physical body, is death is separation. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? That same, in James chapter 2, it says, faith without works is dead, right? A lot of people in the church need to know that today. A lot of people have no works and they claim to have faith. James says that's not true faith. They're, that's the faith of demons. The demons believe and tremble, right? But they don't have, they're not, that's not saving faith. And he's trying to describe what saving faith is. Faith without works is dead, meaning there's evidence. He says just like the body without the spirit is dead. So the body dies when the spirit leaves it. Amen? And guess what? Humans are spiritually dead when they don't have the Lord. They're separated from God and the life of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the vine. He says we're the branches. When we're in him and he's in us, we have life. Amen? If we're separated from him, we don't have life. That's critical to understand. That's death. It's, and it's very, it's very, very sad. And praise God because uh, the scriptures do warn in 323 of Romans, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. But chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Amen. That's the, because of our sin. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And that's beautiful. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who can kill, who kill the body. You're not supposed to be fearing human death and persecution. The church is so worried about, and, and I understand, you know, that nobody wants to just be martyred. But you know what? In the early church period, they rejoiced in the Lord that they were counted worthy to be flogged and whipped for Jesus. When Jesus told Peter how he was going to die, he didn't like, oh no, he was rejoicing because he just denied the Lord three times. He, wanted to, he, he was being told, you're going to die as a martyr. Stand up for the faith, you know? And Jesus says, don't fear man who can kill the body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell. Amen? Romans 14.8, I love this verse. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. From a biblical perspective, man, we're in the best possible situation. We're in the best possible situations. Psalm 23, 4, I love it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art what? Thou art with me. So that's when you can have confidence in death, when the Lord's with you. So it's key that you have a relationship with God. Otherwise, you have a horrible time in death because you'll be separated from God. You'll be dead, you're dead spiritually then you're dying physically, then you're separated from God forever. That's the most horrifying thing I could even conceive of in my mind, being separated from God forever. Why would you even entertain that idea as something that you would choose? 
the Bible says, the Lord says, choose life. Don't choose death, amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Catch that, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. God's gonna destroy death. Happy day, amen? There's gonna be no more death. And we're reading about it right here in Revelation 21, 4. Okay, and it's a progressive, uh, it already happened on the cross. When the millennial period comes and Christ comes and reigns a thousand years, we'll never die again. Amen? And then when the new heaven and new earth comes and the new Jerusalem's there, wow, you know, no death, period. Now, it's kind of back to like Lisa McFall's question. Does that mean no death, meaning fruit doesn't die? Or, you know, <laughs> or we definitely know it's speaking of what? Humans not dying anymore, at least, right? You know, so it's just amazing. And I love John 14, 4. Let your hearts not be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, many rooms, many as King James's mansions, but better than any mansions on this planet, right? If we're not so, I would have told you, but I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Man, he wants us to be of good cheer, he says there. You trust me. And now we're seeing the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is his book that he gave to John, amen? And just like, it's a blow mind. The book is just absolutely amazing. So, and, and you know, the Bible says, precious to the sight of the Lord is the death of his what? His saints. So ultimately, for the Christian, death is a blessing because Paul said, I'm torn between two desires, he told the church of Philippi, remember? On one hand, I want to go be with the Lord. On one hand, I want to stay here and labor and bear fruit for the Lord. But he says, but if I go be with the Lord, he says, it's very much better. And he got this weird construction in the Greek language of these adjectives that are piled up where it's like way, way, way better with different Greek words, you know. It's just like so much better to go be with the Lord. So for the believer, it's graduation day, amen, when we, when we die. But we have to have a spiritual perspective. The Bible says we're not to look at the material, but that which is spiritual. We're not to look at that which is temporal, but that which is eternal. It doesn't mean you don't look at them at all, but it means that shouldn't be your main focus. Your main focus should be on the eternal and the spiritual, what's coming. Amen? And I, I, it's, just, it's so important. By the way, I, Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment. In other words, your reputation and that you're a godly person, that you're doing what's right, is far more important than precious perfume. In those days, that was expensive stuff. And the day of death is better than the day of birth for the believer. Isn't that awesome? Now, we don't think of it that way. We should. As Christians, we ought to. But the world doesn't think of it that way. But we ought to, and we should think of it that way. And we do as genuine believers. When we know someone's saved, we're like, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but we say, oh, they're in a better place now. That's true, though. It's a reality. They're in a far, far, as Paul said, way, way better because they're in the presence of Christ. And that's what makes paradise paradise, ultimately. And you go to be with him in paradise, is his very presence. You know, it's important. I mean, I'm, when I was in the hospital and keep praying, my wife and I, uh, speaking of tears, you know, we were just praying for, uh, with Teresa, Paul Hatley's uh, wife on the phone a few days ago and we've been talking to her off and on and and uh she put the phone up to his head and you know we prayed and uh and I don't know if he heard me or not but uh we prayed and then after the prayer was done she had this just deep uh intense cry you know and it caused us to cry you know and we were standing up talking to her in uh in our room and then uh, we just embraced each other. And Lisa and I, after we hung up and just cried in each other's arms. Because even though uh, 
it's far better to be with the Lord. Death is still sad, isn't it? And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we don't grieve like the world grieves because he says the world does not have hope. We recognize, Paul says, that we're going to be reunited with our loved ones in Christ at the harpazo, at the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive. We caught up to meet them in the air. Amen? And we're going to have joy. We have a family reunion coming. Amen? Amen. We have this beautiful family reunion coming, man. And so, but at the same time, you don't just go to someone whose spouse is dying. Ah, get over it, you know. You know, they're, they're going to go be with the Lord. Why are, you, why are you crying? No, it doesn't say we don't grieve. The Weymouth version says we don't mourn as the world mourneth. We don't grieve. I think the Greek word is uh, pethos there. Uh, pethos or pethon, I'd have to check it out. When the word used for, I'm sorry, in Revelation 21.4 for grieve is another Greek word used, translated or, or grieve in 1 Thessalonians 4. But similar meaning to the Greek word here, 21.4, which means mourn, which is pethos or pethon. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, we need to be sympathetic. We're to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen? Be considerate when you're, don't be a bull in a china shop and just come filled with your own thoughts and everything and just barge in rah, rah, and vomit over somebody with everything that's in your mind. No, pray, Lord, how can I be sympathetic toward this person? How can I enter into their situation and see what they're going through? And perhaps, Lord, they need their perspective tweaked a little bit, so help me gently say words and comfort others. The Bible says comfort others with the comfort that you've received, you know? And I try to comfort people, but I had no one die in my life that I had close friends, really close friends die when I was young, but I didn't have any family members that died. And uh, more recently, you know, my dad had died a couple years back now and so forth. And Gina had died and, you know, close friends had died in the past, close friends in, in the more recent, like Robert and so forth, Dave Nelson, a lot of friends through the years. But the more you go through things like that, the more you, you want to pray for people that are going through things like that because it touches you. And we need to be there as a body of Christ for each other, amen? We need to minister to each other. We need to be, you know, it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing, but think about, you know, like pray for Teresa, pray for Paul Hatley, pray. John prayed for various people that are up here. The Bible says don't just consider your own interest, because, or the, your own interest, but the interest of others, amen? That's how we love each other. Got to get our eyes off ourselves and be part of the healing process that the Lord brings. So uh, this, when I was in with COVID and I was told that I was by my uh, doctor that I wasn't going to survive, I was told that. My wife was right there when he told, told us that. Uh, proud of me getting it. Don't get it, you won't survive. And I was there for five days. And I told my, I told my wife, I said, I believe the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to survive. You know, I'm forgetting his exact words. You know, it's kind of a trip, long story. But at the same time, I wasn't sure if I was hearing from the Lord or not. It wasn't a prophecy. I said, I believe I, I, I told her. I'm not saying, I heard it, didn't hear an audible voice, but it was like just strong in my heart. You will survive. When I was praying and I was dozing off and I wasn't even thinking, you know, when you're, that main, when you're like almost asleep and then boom, you will survive. And I told her that. I said, but at the same time, I said, I'm not sure. I just feel like, you know, and she was pretty confident I would anyway, just from her womanly intuition, you know. She said, quit whining. You get over this. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching to her today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she was so sympathetic and so encouraging to me, which is a real blessing. When you were, and so many of you guys were just a blessing and texted me and encouraged me. It's good to encourage each other, but it's interesting because this verse right here was so beautiful to me. And I, it was very easy to memorize, but I committed to memory while I was, I, I read a lot of, memorized a lot of Romans 8, Philippians 4, other passages that I hadn't spent a lot of time memorizing before because I could, it's hard to read when you got COVID if you got it, if your room's getting kicked. And my heart was only at 34% at the time. That's why they said I wouldn't survive. 
Uh, but God did a miracle because my heart was normal. The second day I was in there, they couldn't believe it, you know. Your heart returned to normal. What in the world doesn't happen? It takes months for that to happen, yeah, typically. So this psalm right here, Psalm 73, 26. If you're going through something right now, maybe you're listening by way of live stream or you're here and you're fighting cancer or you're fighting something very, very severe in your life, uh, you have some kind of terminal disease. Well, I, this verse right here, if you're trusting the Lord, you can, you can entrust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. It's Psalm 73, verse 26. Really blessed me. I went back to this more than pretty, almost anything. My flesh and my heart may fail. Now I was in a little heart situation at the time. Now my heart's normal again. Thank you, Lord. My heart, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen? Let me read that again. My flesh and my heart may fail. I mean, I may just die here, but God is the strength of my heart. He's the one in control ultimately. Amen? And, my por- and he's my portion, the Lord, forever. We have him forever, guys. So in Christ, you are invincible in the sense of you can't be destroyed if you're trusting Jesus because of him. Amen? So we don't have to walk around in constant fear. Oh, we should be concerned. That doesn't mean you go, somebody's got like this, you know, this contagious disease and you could get it and die. You're just like, oh, no big deal. No, God wants to be wise. Amen? You still lock your doors at night if you're wise in a bad area, right? Or any area these days because the world's pretty jacked up. So there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more... Uh, you know, mourning. There'll be no more of, you know, uh, it's just awesome. There'll be no more death, no more tears, no more death, and no more mourning. Amen. I'll spend a very little time on mourning because it's related to tears, but it's the idea of, of, of mourning, you know, of, of a state of sadness. Tears are the, are the manifestation uh, symptomatic of the mourning that ca- takes place in the heart. But there'll be, it says in Revelation 21.4, and I'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no, no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning. Wow. No more mourning. And that's where the Greek word is used for, uh, it, it is penthos, not, uh, not penthon. I thought it was penthos, but it's penthos. No, it means mourning, sorrow, sadness, grief. And we, man, you guys, there's mourning right now throughout the world, Right? Crazy stuff going on. There's a lot of family members mourning for people that are stuck in Afghanistan right now because we got out so quick and left them $90 billion of equipment. We made them the strongest, one of the strongest air forces in that part of the world by just leaving that equipment there for them. Great, real smart, you know. This is going to cause more and more horrible things going on because they're a wicked, wicked regime, the Taliban, you know. And who knows what's going on. There's a lot of mourning for a lot of reasons, you know. I know a lot of people were in mourning when uh, Newsom was left in office. And uh, my wife was, man, Lord, help me comfort her, you know, by the great, by your grace. <laughs> it's just, but you know what? That's why you got to keep your focus ultimately on Jesus, amen. Pray and then occupy till he comes, Amen. Take a stand for what's right. Speak prophetically to the state. This is what God's word says. I'm not going to budge from it. In love and in humility, but in truth, don't waver for what the truth is. Amen. Now, it's interesting because listen to this. I love this. There's not going to be any more mourning. Psalm chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. I will rejoice in the Lord or extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up my soul from Sheol. 
okay? Hades, you brought me up from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Then look at this verse, verse five. Weeping may tarry for the night. Tarry means to kind of hang out. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And that's not M-O-U-R, morning. That's the morning time when it comes. Weeping may tarry for the night, man, but joy is coming in the morning. Remember the weeping that Friday night when Jesus was crucified? That was probably some of the deepest weeping that ever went on on earth. Sunday Sunday morning came, right? He rose from the dead, man. And you read the first few verses of Matthew chapter 28. Man, there's like a skip in their step. There's like great joy because he rose from the dead. Because Christ conquered death, guys. We are saved from death, amen. He died for our sins, but he rose again. Because I live, he said, you will live also, amen. He is the resurrection life. You guys, we have victory over death. That's the thing the world worries about the most. That's why you got all these different people trying to live forever and the elite trying to scientifically find a way that they can't die. But man, just give it up and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, man. You can have eternal life right now for free, amen. And if you haven't accepted him, you need to accept him, man. It's very, very important. No more mourning, you know, I was looking, and, and, and let's look at verse four again. And I will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying. Or crying, wow. So no tears, no death, no mourning, or no crying. He's emphasizing the tears and the mourning and the crying because that's the state that people are in because of the sadness. There will no more crying. I was looking for the world record for crying. Because the reason I was doing that again, back not to bring up Newsom again, but my wife, man, I'm like, man, this has been a long time, man. You know? And I don't know, man. I mean, she went through some hormonal changes when she went through menopause. But then I realized that I was going through some crying. I might have broke the right because I realized I meant men on pause. And I was like, you know? Uh, not really, you know? She wasn't crying over Newsom either. She was, we were both bummed, you know? Because, you know, because you still, you know, want to, uh, affect the changes that you can affect, you know? And uh, but I hadn't seen crying like it at our house until, and I think it was when JoJo lost arm wrestling to Holly, you know? It was a lot of crying going on, you know? JoJo's not even here, he's working today, so make sure he hears this message, Holly. Anyway, but I was looking for the Guinness Book of World Records for uh, crying, and I came upon this. When five-month-old baby Sheila Waltz reluctantly fell asleep this afternoon, her lifelong dream to break the world record for consecutive months without sleep ended one month shy of the six she needed. Despite her failure, she unexpectedly began a world record holder of a different kind, became a world record of a different kind. Three hours before falling asleep, baby Sheila broke the record for consecutive hours of crying at four months, three days, and one hour. Only a yawn prevented her crying streak from continuing longer. In addition, to the mental and physical obstacles baby Sheila must overcome to stay awake. Concerns have been raised about the judge's ability to track her progress. Can you imagine? Several judges have already been uh, seen banging their heads with frying pans in the corner of the Waltz basement. Few believe they will be able to continue their work much longer. Then I was realizing, I'm reading this, I'm like, is this for real? Then I'm like, okay, this is a joke. Okay, that didn't happen. I'm like, okay. So I said, so where is the world record? They, they don't have a world record because it's hard to, how do you do that? 
John, whatever. They don't have a, unless it's a new entry I haven't found. But that was uh, the world record for crying, but not really. It was on a, a parenting site that's to help parents with humor. I was like, oh, that's what this is. I'm like, what kind of site is this, man? Because it's just like written as a fact. I'm like, what? How do you cry that long? You know? And don't you got to sleep? Anyway, uh, but yeah, women cry more than men, two to five uh, times per month, and they're more sensitive. God's woven you that way for a reason. It's a very beautiful reason because he's, you, you, you know, the, God himself, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus wept. Amen? Shortest, one of the shortest verses of the Bible. There's one other with the Greek words or a couple words, a couple characters shorter in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. But in the shortest verse, second shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Okay? God in the flesh. Amen? You know God grieves at times. The Bible says when he created humanity and humanity was in rebellion to him, it says he wouldn't always strive with men. And the Bible warns you, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're created in God's image. Okay? God is a, uh, a God who experiences things. Okay? Uh, it's funny that sometimes people think God somehow is less than us in that he doesn't have any kind of experience at all. He, he, you know, he's just a blob or something. It's like, can you imagine the mind of God? What kind of mind is it? You have to have a pretty good mind for somebody to say, like a mechanical engineer, to put something together. Uh, to, that, that, I can't imagine, the mind is just mind-boggling, the human mind. There's nothing like it in the physical world even close. And we're created in God's image. Can you imagine the mind of God that created the entire universe to say nothing of his power to actually pull it off? His mind. Okay? You know how you can figure out what his mind's like? You can't. You just got to humble yourself and say, wow, Lord, your mind, whatever it contains, whatever it is, it, it's, it's just, because he doesn't go into details trying to explain that stuff to us. Right? So it's fun to think about it and say, you know, but you, one thing you have to do you have to make sure wherever your theology ends, when you think of God and his greatness and how awesome he is, that it puts you on your face before God, that you are marveling over him. Amen? Just tripping out on how awesome he is. Amen? Because if our theology does not cause the praise and worship of God for who he is that we see in Scripture, then our theology is off. We should be in absolute awe and wonder of God. But I love it when I go through Jeremiah and Lamentations and, and Jeremiah becomes like a faucet for God's heart. When Jesus wept over Israel. By the way, when we weep over the right things, right? Over loss and so forth, that's when we most reflect the character of God. Because there's his incommunicable attributes, his ontological attributes like omnipresence, omniscience, things that we don't have, amen? But then there's his communicable attributes. We're made in his image, things that we do have, and they're supposed to be refined and made more like him in Christ by the Holy Spirit as we become more like Jesus. So we should seek to be sympathetic people toward those who are hurting. As a Christian, you ought to be plugged into the body of Christ where you can weep with those who weep, where you can rejoice with those who rejoice. You, God doesn't want you to be an island. The Bible says comfort others with the comfort that you've received. How can you comfort others if you're not dialoguing, if you're not encouraging other believers in Christ, amen? We need to be there for one another. But Jesus was there for us. And when he wept, he wept because he was at the death of Lazarus. And you're complaining, if you were here, he would never die. You're late, Jesus. God's never late. Amen? He's always on time, right? So Jesus isn't late. And, uh, but he's weeping because he sees the price of sin, what it does, what it causes. And so I said, stay away from sin, man. 
there'll be less crying in your life. Less crying in the lives of people around you. Hate sin, man. Love God and love people and comfort others who are hurting. So it's very important that we deal with our tears in a biblical way. We don't cease to shed them because Christians ought to be crying probably more than anybody because we're, we see how bad sin is, right? But we ought to have greater joy than anybody either, ever, as well, amen? Because we see the joy that's in Christ. So we're crying less than the world in a lot of ways because we don't grieve like the world grieves who has no hope. So we cry less in some ways, right? But we cry more in other ways because we cry for things that really matter. And then we have joy, exceeding joy, full of glory because we have the hope and anticipation of Christ's second coming. And we get to rejoice in seeing people come into his kingdom here and now. We get to see the victories all the time as we witness, as we share Christ, as we pray for people, and we pray for divine appointments. The next thing on the list, he says, in verse 4, and there's no more what? No more pain. Amen. Praise God. How many can say, praise the Lord, there's going to be no more pain? I mean, we've all experienced pain. Some of you are experiencing pain as I talk, you know. Uh, one in about nine people experience chronic pain. One in nine, one in ten adults experience chronic pain. And that's defined as lasting for an average of about seven years. That's a lot of time. Seven years. One in ten people experience, on average, seven years of straight pain. I mean, it's probably curbed to one degree or another. We live in a fallen world. There wasn't any pain. When man rebelled against the Lord, the consequences of that in Genesis chapter 3 was even an increased pain in childbearing, right? Men would earn their living by the sweat of their brow, right? And uh, there's a lot of pain as a consequence of sin, which has led to other horrific consequences like this. Uh, the world's population consumes, I read, around 14 billion, 14 billion, keep in mind there's what, 7 billion people on the planet or something like that? 14 billion doses of pain relief medication daily. That's two for every one person on the planet, two doses daily of pain medication. And pain medication can have incredibly bad results if you become addicted to it. If you take too much, you take it too long. Uh, the world's painkillers are dominated by morphine and, and opiates and uh, heroin and tramadol and, you know, now there's fentanyl they're putting in the heroin and stuff. Colt Brennan, top, one of the top college quarterbacks, of, he was a big college star years ago, made the NFL for a while, but he had the record of you know, most touchdowns before it was beat by Joe Burrows, who's now in the Cincinnati Bengals. And he was like, guess what? He just OD'd, I think it was a few days ago, you know, fentanyl and other drugs that were in his system. And it's just said accidentally OD'd. I'm like, I don't know if it's accidentally. I looked at all these drugs that he was on when he died. People are, you know, he had a terrible car accident, not, you know, before that, and he'd been arrested several times for drunk driving and things of that nature. And this is not the way to live life, guys. And sometimes we are in pain, but I'll tell you what, uh, 91 people die every day from opioid overdoses. That's a half a million people since the year 2000. Think about it. This is a huge crisis. They talk about the crisis of the... Uh, of the, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, you know? Oh, man. How many people they say died from that in our country? I mean, what, what's the number? But what, what, what does the media say? About a half million, right? Somewhere around there, last I saw. Well, this is half a million right there. But you hardly ever hear about fighting drugs and, and fentanyl and heroin and, you know, 
opiates and stuff. In fact, a lot of the media is on these things, okay? A lot of media praises these things. Yet, and, and you know, the death toll, we don't even know the exact death toll for real on, on COVID, you know? I know that, you know, there's, and I've listened to a podcast I did a few weeks back. I'm going to do that on a, some of that on a Sunday. Is it the mark of the beast? It's definitely not the mark of the beast. But guess what? There's things happening with Bill Gates and others who make it look like it, it might roll into that eventually because Bill Gates is actually working with MIT and Rice University who's funding to create a chip that will let people, let the government know whether you have been vaccinated or not or whether you have your booster shots or not so you can buy or sell in, what, in the future or how you might be treated in the future. We'll see where it rolls. We'll see what comes with it. Not necessarily for buying and selling, but guess what they're doing now? Where's all this headed, guys? Okay. So, but it's interesting why they make, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, definitely. I mean, I had COVID. I could have died. We've got Paul Hatley. He may die, you know, and others, you know, connected to this fellowship have died. You need to pray because it's a serious deal. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm saying watch where this whole thing is going. You need to keep your eye on the big picture. Amen. And obviously you want to love your neighbors yourself, but you want to be wise. But what about, how come we hear very little in the media about 91 people dying a day from just, and that's just one drug, right? You don't hear about it much. Why? Because those things are basically worshipped by the elite, many of these. Not all of them. I mean, there's people that are trying to stop these things, thank God. But guys, pain is a huge problem. And we experience pain. Praise God, the time is coming when there will be no more pain, amen? Hallelujah. You know, I've been in some intense pain. I know you guys have been in some intense pain, and some of you are in it now. Be very careful if you have to take painkillers, man. I mean, I had done drugs for years, purposely, as a Christian, and I got wisdom teeth taken out. They were in the back, they're pointed the wrong way. They're going to cave all my teeth in. They take them out, and they gave me some Vicodin. And I remember, it was like halfway through the day, you know, I went and got taken out in the morning. It's like, and I, and I took a nap and I woke up. I'm like, because I was wiped out. And man, the windows were open. I'm hearing the birds chirp. I'm like, Lisa comes in. I, she goes, how you doing? I go, great. I go, man, I just feel so good right now. The birds are chirping. She goes, you're on Vicodin. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now I can see why people get addicted to that stuff, you know. I was like, although guess what? You get addicted. I, and I, 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 wanted, I just took that dose. Maybe one other. I don't know. I was like, done. I'm like, ooh, man, you know, because I've dealt with people who've had addictions with Vicodin and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't even want it anymore. I don't need it, you know. But I thought, wow, man, because what happens, just like pot, just like Coke, just like a lot of drugs, you get these euphoric feelings, and then I'll send your trap, man. It became, you become a slave to it. These people walking around mumbling and stuff, some of them demon-possessed, didn't, they didn't just walk out the door and that happened. No, a lot of them got on drugs. They opened themselves up to the demonic world and so forth. And a lot of times it's, it's physiological and not always demonic. But I'm saying, and you, all of a sudden you're a slave and you never thought you'd get there. You have to be very, very careful when you're taking medication, amen, and very, very prayerful. And always pray first, amen, cry out to God that his will be done. But if you're taking a medication and you need to and you feel the Lord's okayed it because there's a persistent pain that you can't deal with uh, and the Lord does give Proverbs 31, he does give pain relievers to a degree. We have to make sure we don't become enslaved to anything the Bible says, amen? Make sure we don't become enslaved to it. So pain is very interesting, but oftentimes pain is our friend, okay? Pain is your friend. It's like, why is there pain in the world? Because pain, not every time, but oftentimes pain tells you there's a problem, amen? How many, you should be grateful for pain. If there was no pain in your life, your life would, you, you could be gone right now. 
could be dead. In fact, there is a disease called CIP, okay? Congenital uh, insensitivity to pain, okay? And it's a rare hereditary disease, but those who have it at times do not survive their childhood, okay? Uh, it, it, because pain oftentimes is, an, is like an idiot light. It lets you know there's something wrong. There's kids at CIP, they pick up a hot, something really hot off the stove and they're holding it and they don't know they're holding it until there's smoke. It's burning. Like, drop that. Kids' hands fried, you know, because they don't ex- experience pain. Uh, uh, one, uh, John Jeff or, uh, says, of the CIP patients I've worked with in the UK, so many of the males have killed themselves by their late 20s by doing ridiculously dangerous things not restrained by pain, okay? That's actually Jeff Woods here uh, who researches at Cambridge Institute of Medical Research. He says, quote, or they have such damaged joints that they are wheelchair-bound and end up committing suicide because they have no quality of life, he says. Well, you come to Jesus, you'll always have quality of life, amen? In fact, people in wheelchairs with severe handicaps, it's not in my notes, but I'm just thinking right now, I've, I've read the studies that show the people that have severe handicaps, paraplegic or whatever, have just as much joy as anybody else on average because somehow God's created that mechanism where he allows them to experience a life. But uh, there's pain. I mean, I was reading about one guy in India or in Pakistan where he was like, as a teenager, walking on hot coals. He was a street performer and people would trip out because he had CIP. He'd stick knives in his arms and pull them out. He died before his teens were over because he jumped off a roof because he didn't feel any pain. And he, and he basically died. I mean, he died. So uh, I, I have a book I got years ago, and it's a very interesting book called The Gift of Pain uh, by Dr. Paul Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, if you want to order it from Amazon. It's a very fascinating book because he's a missionary doctor to India. And he made, the, it's a, book, a fascinating book because he did studies in leprosy. He observed, he made discoveries about leprosy that nobody knew before. It's a Christian missionary named Dr. Brandt. And it's interesting because he realized lepers were losing their digits in their limbs because they didn't have pain. A lot of times people just thought they were just wearing down and nerves and just falling off, but rats were eating their fingers at night, okay? Uh, He said one mother came in on her daughter and she was finger painting on a sheet in her playpen with her blood because she had no feeling because of leprosy. So when you, so don't curse pain, okay? Say, God, thank you for letting me experience pain so I can, we have a wise God, amen? We're a very, very wise God. Now, uh, although we live in a fallen world, so pain isn't always the perfect indicator. Sometimes it's a light, sometimes your light goes on in your car too when it doesn't need to be on, right? So we have to deal with pain and the main thing you do, need to do, we need to do is go to the Lord in prayer, Okay? And we need to be grateful and know what the Lord says about pain and know that he says in Romans 8.18 that the current suffering, the pain that we go through now in this world isn't to be compared to the glory that will be revealed, amen? Because when you're going through pain, remember Revelation 21.4. Say, glory be to you, God. Thank you that you came and endured the pain that I deserve to endure, amen? And thank you that you're gonna wipe away all my tears and all my crying all the morning and all my pain one day, amen? And give glory to God and give praise and keep your eye on the light, on the Lord Jesus, that there's light at the end of of the tunnel. And also keep in mind that you don't, there's way, way, way more drugs out there being prescribed by doctors than need to be prescribed. You know, Elvis died. He was, his doctor gave him a boatload of drugs. Perhaps uh, Michael Jackson too. All these different painkillers, way beyond. Remember Cain? I use this. 
God says to Cain, who wants to kill his brother, Cain, why is your countenance fallen? He's depressed. He's in a funk. He's down. He's so upset. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? In other words, guess what? Your countenance will be lifted up. You'll be doing good. But if Cain went to the, a doctor today, guess what they'd give him? Anti-anxiety medication. And he will never have dealt with his issue. So a lot of people aren't dealing with their issues because they're slapping painkillers. And we need to go to the Lord. And oftentimes we have emotional or spiritual pain because we don't go to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me. Eleven twenty-eight of Matthew, verses 28 through 3. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest for your souls, right? For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Go to Jesus. You know, I love one of my favorite songs. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, you know? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't that the truth? What needless pain we as Christians bear because we fail to carry everything to God in prayer. Going through some marriage struggles? You should be praying earnestly about that. Oh, I'm going through serious marriage trouble. You need to get on your knees then, man. You make a daily thing and make sure it's not you. And make sure you're doing what's right. You're crying out to God and say, God, help me be loving. Help me be kind. Help me be sweet. Help me not be cantankerous. Help me not be holier than thou. Help me not act like I matter more than my spouse. Amen? That could heal a lot. And God will give you strength because you can't do that in your own power. Okay? You need to cry out to God. You're having problems at work and so forth. There's a lot of pain there. Make sure you're not the source of that problem. And then guess what? If someone else is the source of that problem because of your Christian life, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's going to happen. But guess what? The pain that you experience through persecution can't be compared to what's coming. And just rejoice in the hope that you have in the Lord. And it reminds you that you live in a fallen world. Amen? And recognize that God is good and that he creates his commandments. Deuteronomy 6.24. He says he gives us our com the commandments for our good. Cast all your cares upon him. Amen? It's important, man. And you know how you can alleviate the pain of others in the world that don't know Jesus? Preach the gospel to them, man. Oh, not all of them. Some are going to reject it, obviously. It's like salt in a wound for them because we're the salt of the earth and we bring conviction, right? But we bring the gospel, man. And that's how you erase death in their lives, through Jesus, through the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God to salvation. For it's the power of God to salvation. Don't forget that. To everyone that believes the Jew first, also the Greek. Man, I had a lot of pain in my life as a teenager, man. When I came to Jesus at 18, when I just turned 18, right around then, boom, man, my life's been great ever since. Doesn't mean there's no bumps in the road. Doesn't mean there's not trials. The, those trials, those bumps cause us to cry out to God, amen? They cause a deeper relationship with the Lord when we go through trials. So as pain comes as a believer, it's your ally in more than one way. Sometimes it shows you a problem. Man, you know what? I've, I've got some depression here. Maybe I'm not forgiving. Maybe I don't have the joy of the Spirit right now. Or maybe I'm going through a joke thing and I just got to wait this out. But Lord, help me have wisdom to make all the right decisions so it's, if it's me, it gets cleared up. And if it's not, I just wait on you and trust you, amen? So it's important that we take everything to the Lord in prayer. It's important that we help others in the body of Christ by being there for them and building them and encouraging them. And it's important that we witness the lost and share Jesus with them. And we're part of this process because that's what brings healing to people is the gospel. Because they, they conquer death through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, last week and uh, we were... What day was that, Mike? Man, it's been a blur. This, I guess it's Sunday, so last weekend, a few days ago. It's weird to think of it that way. Uh, but uh, earlier this weekend, if we want to call it that, 
uh, we went to a, a Christian concert, saw some bands and stuff with some brothers and stuff, and my wife and sisters and sitting in different places and stuff. And as we left, it was all, it was all professing Christians, most, and I'm sure a lot of non-Christians were there too. And we we're going there and we we're, we we're parked by this bathroom. We're sitting outside the cars, or sitting outside the cars, some of us, because the cars were spread up, and we're going to leave, and we're getting ready to get in. We're just talking, and some guy comes up named Nodder. He's, he has like this English accent at first, and he's got long hair, and he looks like you know, it could be on the streets or what have you, but then you realize he's pretty clean. So you're like, hmm, got the ponytail going. And he goes, hey, were those Christian bands in there? And we're talking about the music and stuff. And are you, he's, I'm not a Christian, you know. He goes, I don't, I don't need to become, I don't, Jesus, I mean, I've never sinned, you know, so I don't need to become a Christian, you know. So <laughs> talking to the wrong guys, you know. And, uh, and I just, and I cut a long story short. I said, hey, you know, I love you, but man, you're, you're a liar, man. In fact, even worse, you called God a liar just now. Because the Bible says, God says in his word in 1 John, he that says he's without sin is a liar and truth is in him and makes God a liar. And I said, and you're an idolatry because you put things before God because you don't even think you need him. So that's idolatry. So pretty soon I had him, uh, showed him how, you know, you're on the way to Lake of Fire. You need to get rid of Jesus, you know. And uh, we witnessed to him and everything. And, at the end, he, and then all of a sudden he wasn't saying he was a sinner, wasn't a sinner anymore. It was a long 15, 20 minute talk on that. You know, so then he asked if we'd pray for him, you know, pray for his uh, mom, I'm sorry, because and he's going to go see her. And he's probably, you know, probably my, my age, 45 or something, you know, you know, so no, no, I don't know. He's probably 50 or so. I just turned 58 yesterday. So I told him, I go, so we, we prayed for his mom. He said, so there's seven of you. That's the lucky number. I go, and that's God's number, not lucky, but it's a blessed number sometimes, it's number completion. So we get in, I tell you that whole story. Because Jesus said, pray that God would send out laborers into the harvest field. Amen. Pray for divine appointments, guys. When you pray to speak to people and that God would bring people to you or that you would bring you to people, things happen. I can't tell you, when I pray that prayer, the more I pray that prayer, the more it just boom, 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 boom. And so I have to pray more, Lord, help my message reach people, da, 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 because all of a sudden I'm just talking to everybody at the grocery store and sort of divine appointments all the time. I don't get anything done, you know. But I, when, I, when I wasn't pastoring, I still pray that as I pastor too, depending on where I'm at. Lord, divine appointments, divine appointments. But I said, man, you want to witness more? Pray for divine appointments. We get in our cars and Troy, man, sitting next to me, he goes, I prayed for that. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, I, he's humble, sweet, awesome guy. He's like, he loves the Lord. And we had a great talk on the way up there. And God, that was a divine appointment. The Lord put us next to each other, Troy. It was great spending time with you. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I, I, told, I told my mom before I was leaving, mom, I'm praying that uh, I can see Joe witness, you know, when we go to this, this place, you know, to go see the Christian concerts. Well, how often are you witnessing at a Christian concert, right? A Christian concert, right? And, and we're, we're not even looking to witness because we're going to get out of there. It's probably like 1130 or 12. I don't know what time. It was late, you know, at night. You know, and I'm like, and we're getting ready. And he comes to us. I'm without sin. Okay, well, that means you're getting witness to you. Okay. <laughs> but Troy prayed that prayer that night, that, the night before, right, Troy? Am I getting the story right? Okay, praise God. And I thought, man, Troy, you know, we talked about divine appointments. I go, that would not have happened, I don't believe, if you didn't pray, you know. And uh, guys, pray to be part of the healing. And Jesus is the healer. He's the one that delivers. He's the one that saves through his blood. Amen. And by the way, you want to make sure that you're saved before you can't help others. If you're lost, you want to make sure you know Jesus. You want to make sure you're saved. Are you saved? You know what it says in the book of Revelation? It says he creates this new heaven, new earth. You know what it says in 2 Peter 3? He creates a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwell of the righteousness. One of the beauties of the new heaven, new earth is there's not crime and sin because people have been made new. The Bible says if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed away and all things become new. So heaven, the new heaven and new earth is fit only for those who become new in Christ and want to do God's will. That's why it's heavenly too, amen? There's not people raping and killing and murdering each other and, and stealing from each other and lying to each other and all that stuff. But you cannot get in according to Revelation 22, 14 and 15 unless your robe has been washed in the blood of Christ. Unless you have the right clean clothes on, meaning you've been forgiven of your sins. I heard about this guy, in the, you know the whole Taliban thing going on? A guy was going through a rough area, you know, a Taliban guy, you know. He has all the ornaments. He has like a, a flag, you know, that uh, says, kill the people of the cross. That's a Muslim saying that the people of the cross be killed. And he throws his, because he just puts his flag down because he's just tired and thirsty. He's going through the desert of Afghanistan. And he sees this, this little shack and a little Jewish shells guy in front of this little tiny shack, little display case. He goes, excuse me, you have any water? He goes, no, I don't have any water. He goes, I just have these ties. You want to buy a tie for five bucks? The guy goes, you infidel. You, you're a Jewish infidel, man. I spit on your ties. I curse your ties. He's like, oh, sorry, man. I just, five bucks are made of silk. He goes, I spit on you too. You Jew, you scrawny Jew. I break your neck next time. He goes, okay. Uh, all I have is ties. Sorry, no water. He goes, and he goes, but you know what? To show you that I'm bigger than what you're doing here and what you're saying to me, I'm going to be bigger than you, you know, in that. Or bigger than what you're saying. Go over that. See that hill to the east? Just a couple miles. Just climb up that hill. Get over there. You should survive, hopefully. And there's a beautiful restaurant, great food, all the water that you could drink. Beautiful, purified water. Thanks, infidel. And he goes off, man. A few hours later, he comes back crawling, parched, you know, lips swollen. He's like, What's wrong? He goes, they only accept you if you have a tie. (laughs) So, you know, you can't get in that place without a tie. Guess what? You can't get in God's kingdom unless your robes have been made white in Jesus. Amen. Unless you've been cleansed from your sins. So if you don't know Jesus, man, the Bible says today is a day of salvation. Because without him, you're lost. Without him, you are an idolatry because you are putting things before God. Because if you're if he's not first in your life and you're not following Christ, that means you're in idolatry. You have to repent and do it one day and you say, God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Amen? So, yeah, Doug told me that joke a couple days ago. I go, man, that's going to work really good for the end of my message because you don't get in without Jesus. Amen? Love you guys, man. Make sure you turn to Jesus. Put your faith in him so you can have no more tears in the future, no more mourning, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. Amen? Praise God. Let's all please stand as they pass out the cup and the bread, the very emblems of what Jesus did for us on the cross and giving his body and his blood for us.